Welcome to the Willow Ridge Sermons Podcast. This is where you can find audio from Sunday morning messages and more. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss future episodes. And thanks for listening. Amen. Well, good morning. So glad that each and every one of you could be here. I heard the wonderful noise that every pastor wants to hear on Sunday morning. I heard more chairs being brought in, and that's a good thing. And so we are glad that each and every one of you came and that you are here, uh, whether you call this church home, whether you're visiting from out of town, or whether you're looking for a new church. We are so glad that God brought you here today as we celebrate the truth, not just the belief, but the truth that Jesus is alive. And so today, we celebrate our risen King. If you are a first-time guest, we would love for you at some point in time during the service today to fill out this card, and then as you leave, you can either drop it off in the basket back here, or Aaron and I will be back here at this back table. We would love to personally meet you for the first time, and thank you for being here and and worshiping with us. Uh, Before we get into our message this morning, um, God has blessed us with a wonderful opportunity, and so we're going to pause and take a break from our normal flow of what we would have. And I'm going to ask if Dr. Uh, Sam John can come up on stage uh, here for just a moment. Um, Sam's going to share a few words and and pray for our service. If if you don't know who Sam is, uh, Sam is our missionary partner that we partner with in India. And he has been there serving faithfully uh, along with his his brother, his family, and, and many others as they work to not only share the gospel in his city where he lives, but as they work to mobilize to share the gospel all over India. So would you do me a favor and help and welcome Dr. Sam John. Good morning. Did you know we are all blood related? The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary binds us together. And it's a privilege for me to be here this morning, um, uh, witnessing what God is doing because he's alive and uh, he uh, defeated death and hell. Thank you, church, for allowing Pastor Bo and the rest of the people to come down to India to serve. We are so highly indebted to all of you and look forward to your partnership uh, in the days and times to come. As we are serving, as we are celebrating this day of resurrection over here, I just want you to know that your brethren, the blood-bought possession of the Lord Jesus Christ, back in our country, India, some of them had to go to jail because of the anti-conversion law and because they were sharing that Jesus is risen. You live in a free country. Praise God for this freedom. Your own brethren, whom perhaps you have never met and you probably will never meet, still serve the Lord rejoicing in the bondages, uh, suffering from the laws that the government has passed. Continue to pray for them. Be the difference God has called you to. And we will be praying for you. I'd like to pray before we hear from God's word. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we bow in awe and in wonder of who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of the fact that on a day like this, thousands of years ago, a couple thousand, 
our Savior, our Redeemer, rose again from the dead, defeating death, defeating hell, defeating sin, and opening the way for us sinners to be reconciled with this great, almighty, and awesome God. Who are we, Lord? The recipient of your grace and mercy was no qualities in us to be qualified to be loved by you, but we thank you for your mercy upon us. And this morning as we stand redeemed, we bow our heads and hearts before you and honor you because you are the king. You are the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You not only give us joy, but you are our joy. You not only give us a hope, but you are our hope. You do not show us the way, but you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we are blessed in you, Lord. If there's anyone seated here in this congregation or hearing who does not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, may this be the day when they would surrender their lives to the one who loved them, who gave himself for them, and who rose again from the dead. I pray for our folks back in India. Thank you for the wonderful time they've had earlier today. We pray for those souls that have been saved as they continue to suffer through what they might have to because of their newfound faith in you. We pray that you would strengthen them. Yet more land to be possessed. Make this church to be that difference in our part of the world. And yes, Lord, we'll be careful in giving you the glory and honor because you alone are worthy. For we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, brother. If you have your Bibles with you today, I want to invite you to join me in turning to John chapter 20. At the end of my message, we'll respond in a time of worship, and then we'll respond in the taking of the Lord's Supper together. And if you weren't able to grab some elements as you came in, I want to invite you to do so now, and you're more than welcome to do that. Well, this morning as we prepared for our outdoor service, uh, if you weren't up as early as some of us were, we'll just say it was a lot colder then than it is now. I'm not going to try to stand up here and, and, and portray something that I'm not. I woke up at 4.15 this morning to hear in the rain continuing to fall, and I don't know that I've ever prayed as hard as I've prayed um, until the rain finally went away this morning. But we had a wonderful, wonderful time of worship outdoors and this wonderful gathering indoors, and I want to thank everyone who, who prepared breakfast and who served that this morning so that we could all come together as one family. But as I was outside this morning, I had a question that was asked to me, and it sparked a thought as we gather together on Easter morning. The question was a very simple question. It was asked uh, by Stephen Konarski, and I'm, I, I see Stephen almost every Sunday morning. Stephen usually gets here relatively early, and Stephen always asked me this question. And so today was not unlike any other Sunday morning in my conversation with Stephen. He said, how was your week? I said, man, it was a great week. It was a really good week. He said, well, what happened? 
And I said, well, if I go all the way back to, to last Saturday, Aaron and I had the privilege to go to the Augusta National to watch the women's amateur tournament. And so that was good. Our, our time there was short because of the storms that were coming through, but I got to enjoy Pimentichi sandwiches. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful time at the Augusta National, right? It was good. I said, Sunday was, was a great day. We had a good time of, of worship. And then after worship, my family and I got away on, on a little vacation to Helen, Georgia, up in the mountains where the where the weather was cool and where we could do a whole lot of relaxing and a whole lot of eating. Maybe you're catching some themes with me and what makes me happy, right? And so then came back and, and Thursday was just a good time in the office to dive into God's word where I didn't have any other obligations that I needed to worry about, but just focusing in on the, the message that God would have for us for Easter and just a wonderful time and, and study. And then able to go home and spend Friday and Saturday with my family. And, and some people might not have liked the rain, but, but I enjoyed it because it caused us, while we were productive, it, it caused us to slow down and just spend some time together and maybe take a few more naps, right? But it was a really, really, really good week. Well, the passage of scripture that we're gonna look at in, in John chapter 20, we're gonna look at the passage where Jesus appears to the disciples. And Jesus, as he is each week, is the main point of the passage. He's the one that we're gonna look at the most but I don't want us to miss the other characters being the disciples in the story as well. Because this past week for me, as I prepared for Easter, was a really good week. We gathered this morning and in spite of the cold, we can celebrate because Jesus is alive. We gathered this morning in spite of the possibility of rain, we can celebrate because Jesus is alive. In spite of anything, any glitch, any issue, any trouble, anything that awaits you, you can celebrate. We can celebrate this morning. Why? Because Jesus is alive. But when we look back at the week that the disciples had experienced, their first Easter morning, their perspective was different than what you and I woke up to this morning. The truth was the same, Jesus was alive, but their perspective was different. They had been with Jesus in the journey toward Jerusalem. They had been there when Jesus got on the back of a donkey and rode in and the people around who one day would say crucify him, but on that day shouted Hosanna. They were with Jesus as he cleared the temple. They were with Jesus as he spoke to the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem and the persecution that would come. They were there with Jesus when he went to teach in the temple. They were there as their savior and Lord washed their feet. They were there with him during the Passover meal. They were there with him as he gave them the last supper. He was, they were there with him as he shared that one would betray him. They journeyed to the garden 
a few that went and saw the prayer that Jesus would pray. They were there in the garden when the betrayal would happen. They were there in the garden when the arrest would happen. And they were there as they watched their teacher, their master, their rabbi led away. Where he would experience trials, beatings, mocking, crucifixion, and death. And they were there when his body was put into a tomb. And they were there for the day when there was no movement in the tomb. But then Sunday came. And they heard that the tomb was empty. And then we find, and I'm going to invite you to read with me, starting in John chapter 20, verse 19. God's word says this, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so we see in this narrative that John gives us Jesus' first appearance to all of his disciples after the resurrection. And where he finds them is they were hiding, they were frightened, they were concerned, they were stressed. You and I can only begin to imagine where their minds are beginning to wander as their, as their rabbi, their teacher, their master that they've left all to follow. They've counted the cost. They've left their earthly security behind to follow him, to now know that he is dead. This is where they find themselves. And even though Jesus had told them this would happen, where they are is based in what they feel, and what they feel is they're without hope. Because what they haven't grasped is the power of the resurrection. What the resurrection means, what Jesus has done and accomplished on the cross and the celebration that the tomb is empty. And so Jesus does some miraculous things here as John records them for us. Valuable lessons that we learn about who Jesus is through, and what Jesus does through the power of the resurrection. We're going to look at four of those this morning. And the first one is this, that Jesus can do what no one and nothing else can do. Look at scripture, verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. This is the scenario of where the disciples are. The doors were locked. They didn't want anyone coming in. But Jesus comes in. He didn't knock. 
He didn't kick down the door. He wasn't hiding in a corner waiting for them. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't in spirit who appeared all of a sudden and was there. Jesus told them in Luke's account to touch him so that they could know that he is there in body, that he is like them physically, but at the same time, he is unlike them as he steps into the room. In this moment, Jesus does in front of them what no one and nothing else can do. We live in a world of turning to things and to people and to mindsets for help. And I want to be honest about that. In a lot of ways, God has blessed us with that. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Jesus can do and Jesus can go where no one else and nothing else can go. Jesus can go where no doctor can go. Jesus can do what no doctor can do. Jesus can do what no counselor can provide, with what no spouse can give, what no pastor can offer, and what no friend can become. Jesus can. And within you, there's no place where you are, there's no feeling that you feel, there's no thought that consumes you that Jesus cannot penetrate. There is no sin that he cannot gain the victory, and there is no life that he can't save. And it's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. The second thing that we see for Jesus is in the power of the resurrection, Jesus comes into the fear. It says the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. Now, why were the disciples afraid? Why were the disciples afraid? Here's the thing, they had a logical reason for their fear. Remember their week, they had been with Jesus. They had seen what can happen one day as he's, as he's as proclaimed Hosanna before him to five short days later, crucify him. And they didn't want to have to go through what Jesus went. They were afraid. They were afraid for their lives. And honestly, rightfully so. I find that oftentimes it's easy for us to critique them but I understand their concern. But what Jesus does is Jesus comes into their fear. I think this is significant. When we understand what God wants to work and do in us and through us, Jesus doesn't come to them when one of them finally stands up and says, come on guys, we need to move past this. Jesus doesn't come to them when they muster up enough courage to come out of the room. Jesus doesn't stand on the outside and say to them, finally, I've been waiting. Jesus goes to them right where they are because if real victory is going to happen in their life, real gospel victory, it will be because of Jesus, not because of their courage. Isaiah 41.10, the prophet Isaiah says, fear not. She shares the word of the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why is the fear removed? Isaiah says, it's because God is with us, right? The fear is not removed because we suck it up. The fear is not removed because we have a strong enough will. The fear is not removed because I changed my mindset. The fear is removed for I am with you that God is with me. When the disciples stepped out of that room and had their earthly circumstances changed, no, no. When we read through the Bible uh, and, and see through the book of Acts, their lives will be filled with persecution. When we read through the history of this world, what we see is the early church filled with persecution. What we experience when we hear of our brothers and sisters in India and in Syria and in Iran and in Iraq and in Pakistan and Afghanistan is the persecution continues. So how do they face it? Because Jesus is with them. For your life and my life, our circumstances may stay the same in the earthly scope, but we can face this not knowing what's ahead because Jesus is with us. So right now in your life, what you're facing, it's real, it's big, and it's powerful. But here's what we can know because Jesus is alive, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is bigger, and that Jesus is more powerful than anything that we face. And as we go through it, Jesus is with us. The third thing that Jesus does here that's important is Jesus stands with them. Scripture tells us that Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus came and stood among them. I think this is important. Jesus didn't step into the room on the outside and say, hey, turn your attention to me. Jesus walked into that room. Jesus walked through where they were and stood with them to touch him so that they would know that he's there, to experience him, to know that he is real so that they could see what this personal relationship with Jesus meant. That I don't have to go find him, but instead he comes and he finds me. Jesus came and stood with them. And we begin to see the power of the resurrection of what this is going to mean to understand what the truth that Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I am crucified with Christ. And then we see the last that Jesus is going to reveal here, that Jesus gives gifts. Jesus gives gifts. The Bible says Jesus came and stood among them and said, and we're going to see the gifts of Christ come from the words that he says. And the first thing that he says to them is peace be with you. In fact, two times Jesus says these four words to them. And what we see from this is in the power of resurrection, Jesus gives you peace. And Jesus brought peace to them. The very first thing that he said. So what did peace look like? What is this form of peace that Jesus brings? Did Jesus bring a treaty? Did Jesus bring a new law? Did Jesus bring a religious appeal? Did Jesus bring a battle tactic? Did Jesus bring a motivational speech? No, Jesus brought himself. Jesus is the peace. So for them, so it was more than peace with Rome that they needed. What they needed was peace with God and Jesus brought it. And more so than peace with anything else in your life or in my life, here is what we need. We need peace with God. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus is our peace. And that it means that he has been reconciled, that, that we've been reconciled to us, and God, and God killed the hostility through the work of the cross. Jesus fixes what's been broke. Jesus fills the void that was created, what we talked about in Genesis chapter 3. And he restores the relationship between man and God. In this moment, Jesus brings peace, not accusation. The disciples have been told repeatedly what must happen and what must take place. And Jesus doesn't throw their sin in their face. He doesn't bring up their personal shortcomings. He doesn't ridicule them for not trusting him when he told him this what happens. Jesus brings peace through forgiveness. Peace be with you as Jesus steps into the room, Jesus brings us peace. Peace between us and God. We are no longer the objects of God's wrath when we are in Christ because Jesus took on the wrath of God on Calvary. And so now we are no longer enemies of God but now God is our loving father and we are his sons and his daughters. Jesus brings peace through us who have put our faith, hope, and trust in him as our Lord and Savior. And so now we become people not defined by our differences, not defined by our failures, not defined by our sins, but in Christ we are now family of the one true God. And Jesus in this brings peace within ourself. 
peace within ourselves, and he frees us from the guilt and the shame and instead gives us freedom and forgiveness in life. Jesus brings these to the power of the resurrection, that our life is now set for eternity with him, and our life is set for now to live in the peace he provides. But another gift he brings is Jesus says, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, and Jesus gives you power. Paul writes in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit of Christ who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The power that Christ walked in the tomb dwells in all of us who identify with his work in the cross, surrender to him as Lord and Savior, and live in the boldness and the power of the resurrection. About seven weeks from this encounter in, that we see in John, in Acts, Jesus is going to ascend to the Father. And he's going to again to promise the Holy Spirit, and at Pentecost in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes filling the believers. And through the power of his Holy Spirit living in us, we as believers accomplish his will. As the Holy Spirit, as he leads us in obedience, as he convicts us of our sin, as he teaches us the truth of God's word, and as he equips us to do his work that he has called us to, to spread the gospel. And not only, Jesus says to this group of disciples, this group who was hiding in a room, he says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And in this, Jesus gives you purpose. Gives you purpose. So many people want to know what their purpose in life is. If I could just know what God has for me, for what job I need to take, for what city I need to live, for whom I'm supposed to marry. Am I supposed to go to college? Am I supposed to join the military? Am I supposed to, 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 to go into the workforce? What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose in life? But the truth is, because of the power of the resurrection, your purpose in life is not tied to any part of creation, but to the creator. And your purpose is found in him and him alone. My family is a gift, but they are not my purpose. My job is a gift, but it is not my purpose. My purpose is the same as your purpose in Christ, to go, to make disciples, to share the gospel so that every man, woman, and child will have an opportunity to hear and know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so Jesus says to them, go, go, go. I pray this morning that we don't celebrate simply 
that the tomb is empty, but live our lives as if he's still dead in the tomb. I pray that we live our lives every moment in the power of the resurrection in obedience to God and the desire to know him and for others to know him with the truth that the peace of God has reconciled me back to God the Father, that I am his and that he is mine and it happens only through the cross of Christ and the power of his resurrection. And that with that, that it saturates the thoughts, the words, the feelings, the every part of me as we go forward. But I ask you this this morning. Do you know the peace of God? Do you know the power of the resurrection? Because if you do, it's found in Christ and Christ alone. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check back next week for another episode. In the meantime, you can visit us at willowridgechurch.org or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.